so I just feel like the, the Lord's continuing to, to speak. So, so let's just stay open uh, to what it is that he would say to us this morning. I, I feel like in these days, more than ever, we need oil in the lamp. I feel like more important than ever before, there is such a need for us to be full of the oil, of the anointing, of the presence of God. And so today I want to read from Matthew chapter 25, and it's verses 1 to 13. And, and really I'm talking about the oil and the lamp. I'm talking about the context around that and the days that we find ourselves in. So Matthew chapter 25, and it's verses 1 to 13. Thank you, Lord. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but not, did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, They may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, verse 13, therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. And so this morning, my, my question to us is, how much oil is there in our lamp? When was the last time we received fresh oil? And, and currently, is there oil flowing through our lives? Are we in a place where there is oil that we're feeling like is flowing through our daily lives? So here, uh, the, Jesus is talking with the disciples, and he's carrying out this big discourse uh, on the end of the age, and they're sitting on the Mount of Olives. That's where they are. They're just sitting there on top of the mountain, listening to Jesus talk about the end of the age. And it was quite significant that the disciples and Jesus were on the top of the Mount of Olives because Zechariah chapter 14 prophesies, he says, on that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west. Then verse 9, the Lord will be king over the whole earth. On that day there will be one Lord and his name the only name. And so in the very place where Jesus is teaching the disciples about the end of the age is the very place where Jesus comes to stand, where his feet set his feet down on the top of the Mount of Olives at the end of the age. And so to, to give us a, a bit more context in and around this parable that, that Jesus is talking about, just want to mention the, the previous chapter, Matthew 24. Jesus is talking about keeping watch. He's talking about being ready. He also talks about 
persecution and, and a whole bunch of signs that are going to happen before the end of the age. Signs will be take place, but Jesus says, don't be alarmed by such things. In fact, in verse Matthew 24, verse 6, he says, see to it that you are not alarmed. See to it that you are not alarmed. And so Jesus uses this quite strong language. He says, uh, see to it, make sure, uh, whatever you do, don't be alarmed. And I don't know how it's been for you over these last couple of years, but the, the question to, to you this morning is, I don't know, uh, at various times, have you been alarmed at what has been happening nationally and, and globally? Uh, has there been a sense of uh, perhaps uh, uh, fear or concern about what the future might hold or the state of the environment that we're in at the moment. But Matthew says, Jesus says, well, see to it that you are not alarmed. So that's a bit of context before this parable. After the parable, uh, in the same chapter, chapter 25, uh, still looking at that chapter, uh, Jesus mentions a couple of other parables as well. He talks about the, the, the bags of gold that are given out to the servants. And so the one that received five, received five more bags of gold. And Jesus was happy with that. Uh, the one who received two bags, they, re they made two more bags of gold. And Jesus was happy with that. Uh, the one who received one bag of gold, uh, he didn't do anything with it. And Jesus, he just wasn't happy with that. And so uh, he's talking about what it is that we're doing with what he's given us. And then he goes on to the sheep and the goats being in the same pen, but he divides out the sheep from the goats and then welcomes the sheep in to his kingdom. So these two entire chapters uh, are devoted to uh, talking to us about the environmental conditions of the return of Jesus, what to be aware of and how to live in these times. And so for us here today, I wanted to, to highlight two things from this parable of the wise and the foolish virgins. And the two things I want to highlight are these. Number one, it's dark. So the days that they're in, in fact, it was nighttime. In fact, uh, it says in the, the parable that it was the middle of the night. And so the, the context was the environment was dark. Uh, and the second thing I wanted to point out is that we do need oil. Because if it is dark, then we need some fuel to bring the light. We need to have oil in the lamp. And if ever there's a time that we needed oil, it's now. So let me give you a, a couple of examples of what it looks like to be a light in an environment of darkness, but to have oil in your lamp in the middle of dark times. Now, of course, as I've been traveling these last um, eight years with uh, Open Doors and, and meeting the persecuted church and believers who live in an environment uh, of hostility towards them simply because of their faith, it certainly got into my heart. And I just wanted to share a couple of, uh, a couple of quick stories along those lines of what it looks like for these ones to have oil in their lamp while they're in the middle of this darkness. So the first, Aravanila, now... Uh, Arab and Nila were influencing their region in India uh, for, for the sake of the gospel. They were building church, they were reaching out, they were sharing the love of Jesus into their environment. Now, Arav, uh, he had been, before becoming a Christian, a part of an extremist group uh, that was attacking Christians. And eventually, because he had planted a church, starting to push out, 
uh, the very same extremist group that he had been a part of ended up catching up to him and killing him for the sake of the gospel. So Arav was, was killed. So Neela, who was left with, with her kids, some of the, the team went to visit uh, Neela and to spend time with her and to pray with her. And at one stage, as they were there uh, comforting her and praying with her, they, they asked Neela, they said, Neela, um, aren't you going to leave this place? Because it has become so dangerous for you. Your, your husband has just been killed. Um, people are hostile towards you. Uh, aren't you going to leave? And her response was this, I'm going to stay. I'm going to continue the work that my husband and I started. If they want to kill me, they can come and kill me. I don't bother about being killed. I'm bothered about the souls God has given us in this region. I mean, what an amazing response from a woman who really does have oil in the lamp. You know, this isn't just a venture they've gone on and, you know, perhaps a a vision that they have that they've uh, considered in their own minds. This is a response of a woman who is full of the oil, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, knows what it is that the Lord has called her to and continues to push on even though such barriers and obstacles are against her. Even in the midst of loss and suffering, she continues to push in to that region where she is right now at the moment and is going to have church again uh, in a few hours' time when the sun catches up to India. Uh, they're going to have church there too. And so that's, that's Neela. I do also have a, a friend, um, also from India, but he currently pastors a church in Wanganui. Uh, so not far from, from here, a couple of hours uh, northwest. So uh, he leads um, Riverside Church. His name's Avish. And uh, I've uh, re- just really enjoyed spending time with him, having a few coffees with him. Now, he currently leaves, leads this church in New Zealand, but before then he led a church in central India. And so it was his regular custom to go to the church on a Saturday, on a Saturday afternoon, to pray for the service the next day. And so he would go in there and, and he would pray, seek the Lord, Lord, what, it is, what is it that you're going to do tomorrow? Now, he said that quite often as he would go into church on that Saturday, he would have rocks thrown at him from the, the village people who did not want uh, the gospel in their area. Uh, he would be threatened. And he said that whenever he got a threatening note thrown through the window. So sometimes they get this bit of paper, threatening note, wrap it around a rock, throw it through the window at him. If ever he got a threatening note, he would open it and read it, and he would know that tomorrow was going to be a great day at church. He says, I know that because of this note, that people are going to come, get saved, healed, delivered, and set free, and we're going to have an amazing day at church tomorrow. And so he would turn up early the next day on Sunday and say to everybody, get out some more seats. We're going to have a full service. And uh, he said every single time the church was full, they had an amazing time. People were saved. People were healed. And people had an experience, the presence of God in that environment. And, and it was his 
uh, just understanding, his thought process, and the pastors around him as well, that whenever there was pressure, whenever there was something against them, that God was about to do uh, something in their midst. So, in fact, persecution uh, uh, equaled uh, God about to move. And so, you know, this is someone who continually had just oil in the lamp. You have to, week after week, to lead a church like that. So even in darkness, there was oil in his lamp. So Matthew 25, five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took oil in their lamps, but did not take any extra oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. And so those who were wise, they had extra oil. They anticipated the weight. They anticipated the delay. They knew they needed reserves. And so what they did was they took the time to invest into getting some more oil so that it could last the entire duration of the season, of which we don't know how long that is going to be. And the result was that they did not come up short. They did not lack supply. And when the oil was required, it was available. So the oil, it, it represents the empowering of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit flowing through our lives. The five wise virgins took time to invest. They took time to be filled, to be equipped with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that in the days ahead that we need to have a particular perspective on these days. And it's perhaps a different perspective to what the average person in the world around us would have. And I find it amazing, actually, that in the environment of the, the persecuted church, I'm talking about Christians who live in India or China, all across the, the Middle East and Africa and Asia, there to me seems to be less fear in the world of the, the persecuted church than there is in our, in our own context. And so, I mean, Matthew 6 says, don't worry uh, about tomorrow because, you know, that's going to take care of itself. Uh, just be concerned with what I have put in your hands today. And so for the days ahead, we need to be filled with the Spirit of the Lord because we know that one of the results of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our life is that boldness that the disciples, the apostles displayed when they were first filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they just went out. And it wasn't a boldness that they generated on their own, but what it was was the Holy Spirit in their lives, and they were so filled with the Spirit of God that really the environment uh, didn't hinder them. So if you have reserves to draw from, if you have something to offer, if you have the Holy Spirit within us, leading us, guiding us, and inspiring us moment by moment, well, then we'll always be a source of supply. And I feel like this is what the Lord wants to lead us into, that in fact we'll be a source of supply for those around us. And it is a, a source of supply that just seems illogical for the environment that we find ourselves in. I feel like if we're filled with the Spirit of God, that there'll always be a prophetic word in our hearts. We'll always be ready in season and out of season. We'll always have an answer to give to those who ask us about our faith. So if we stay close to the Holy Spirit, paying attention to his leading, being continually filled, then we'll be ready for the days that we're about to step into. And so I feel like the spiritual landscape right now looks very different from the landscape that most people 
see or what is projected. If you look through natural eyes, there, there is a, a lot of hopelessness in the world, and it doesn't take very long to, to look for the days ahead, and people are concerned with the economy and the environment and, and the moral fabric of society. But what is it that your spirit is telling you about the days to come? What is it that if you see with the eyes of faith, and what do you see when, you, when you're looking at the prophetic spiritual landscape, which is ahead? Because I believe that we're about to step into some days that we would not believe even if we were told. Proverbs 4.18 says, The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. And so our path actually looks day by day brighter and brighter until the full light of day when Jesus returns. And so I don't necessarily expect the days around us to get any brighter, but what I do expect is that the Holy Spirit rises in our hearts to the extent where it won't even matter. Psalm 112.4 says, Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. So even in darkness, there is light in and around us. It's like the, the command of God in, in Genesis 1, where light dawned across the surface of the deep, and, and the surface of the deep had never known what light even was. There was no hint, no even scent of, of light in and around the atmosphere, but suddenly light dawned. Like John chapter 1, where light shone amid darkness, and that darkness could not overcome it. It couldn't even understand it. There will be a lot of not being able to comprehend, not being able to understand what is happening in and around us because the Holy Spirit is within us. So let me ask you a question, which you may, we may answer various different ways. But what are better than bright days? What are better than bright days? Well, let me say this. Dark days that you walk through as a light, as a source of inspiration, as a source of hope, where darkness does not touch you, but where darkness flees just because you turned up. Because when you turned up, the Spirit of God turned up with you, and then all heaven broke loose. <laughs> I mean, David and Goliath, Joshua and Jericho, Gideon and the Midianites. Because the ability for God to move through your life does not depend on the darkness of the days around your life. What are you trying to tell me? That I can dodge bullets? No, Neo. I'm trying to tell you that when you're ready, you won't have to. Am I allowed to include a bit of matrix in there? <laughs> Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. So he promises that he'll never leave us or forsake us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And so the context of that is sitting at a table with enemies around, but there Jesus is right across the other side. And because Jesus is there sitting at the table having fellowship and communion with him, the fact that there are 
enemies around us at our own dinner table actually doesn't matter because Jesus is there. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So in darkness, light even dawns for the upright. So I I don't really know uh, what the days ahead are exactly going to look like. But in preparation for them, the best thing we can do is to get oil in the lamp. And how how do we do that? Psalm 18.28 says, You, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. It's only time with the Lord. It's only time spending time in his presence, spending time in the word, allowing him to speak to us. Scripture again, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish one took their lamps and did not take oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. And as I was reading that, that uh, the scripture, I was interested in the word took, that the, the wise virgins, they took oil in their own lamps. So I decided to, to find out what that word took actually means from, a, um, uh, from that original word point of view. And so this word took is the Greek word lambano. Lambano is, is the word that I had a look at. So what it means is to receive or to have, to take upon oneself, to carry, to be responsible for, to make it one's own and and to own it, to seize and to lay hold of, to apprehend, to catch or obtain, to make trial of or to experience. So to take the oil is to make trial of and experience. So when it comes to the oil of the Holy Spirit in our life, Jesus encouraged us to receive the Holy Spirit, but not only that, to take personal responsibility for, to take upon ourselves, to lay hold of, to apprehend, and to experience the Holy Spirit for ourselves. We really need to step into that place of experience and filling to make trial of, to walk with the Holy Spirit every day to test and see if what the Bible says about him is really true. To know by faith and to experience that the oil will carry you through. I mean, the question is, has his divine power really given us everything we need for a godly life? Life 2 Peter 1.3. Will God really meet all our needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus? Philippians 4.19, we'll only find that out if we make trial of, if we walk with him through all these days that we're about to step into the days ahead. And so really my message for us this morning, my message for today, and as we look ahead to today, this week, this month, the, the year, the years ahead, is to not be nervous about the days ahead because the Holy Spirit is within us not to be worried about dark times ahead. I mean, a constant message to to Joshua was to be strong and courageous. Matthew 6 says, don't worry about tomorrow. Be full of faith, be expectant, because in fact, the entire globe runs on God's 
agenda. You have conversations with people and we're talking about agendas on the, on, the, on the world and a few people having these agendas, but actually everything runs on God's agenda and it doesn't take him by surprise and it runs on no one else's agenda apart from God's. Be full of the Holy Spirit because as the world around us uh, is in the middle of hope, hopelessness, they will look for hope in the middle of hopelessness. They'll, they'll look for answer in the midst of impossibilities and they'll look for light in the middle of darkness. And we carry that hope. We do carry the answers. We do carry the light because being wise virgins, we have that oil in the lamp. What we carry really is the good news of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I really wanted to give us another opportunity to be filled again to experience the Holy Spirit again as a family of believers. How amazing is it that we get to stand in a place where we have the worship team leading us just so easily and effortlessly into the presence of God. And, and one thing that the Holy Spirit said to me uh, in worship is seeing the, the team up here and doing what they do so well, so gifted. Isn't it amazing when you see people doing their thing to an excellent level? But what I felt like the Holy Spirit saying is that each one of us have something, have a thing, have a you specific thing that you do at an excellent level, that you are you know, the, the best, the best in the world at that thing because the Holy Spirit has invested that into our hearts and our lives. So, um, so why don't you, you stand with me uh, this morning, it would be great. And I, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna ask for the, the Holy Spirit to fill us again. If there, is, if there are people here this morning and you feel like um, you want to connect up the front here, if you feel like you want uh, to have that point of contact, like the Bible talks about the, the laying in of hands, and you feel like in terms of being filled again with the Holy Spirit to come and to receive from here, I'd love you to do that. Quite often there is something about a prophetic step and a walk, a physical walk, that releases and it enables you to step over the threshold sometime from one season into the next. And I believe the presence of God is here. Um, something that, that I do is um, in terms of a, a physical step, because I've been in the presence of God before, what I tend to do is I tend to step forward, breathe in, and then just in a, in a few seconds, the presence of God comes because I've been there before. I know what it feels like. I know how to step in because by experience, I've been walking with Him. And so in that kind of context, sometimes stepping forward. So we're gonna, uh, we're gonna have a, a ministry time now. We're gonna pray. I'd love to pray, love to receive for, um, some words for you and encourage you and, and bless you. The team is here as well. And so why don't I pray right now? You can start to come forward if you'd like to. Uh, connect in that way. Lord God, we thank you for this time that we have together. We thank you for your spirit, for your anointing here in this place. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you that you are speaking. Lord, that you are breathing on this place. Hallelujah. Just as we're, we're here uh, in the presence of God, uh, I also want to make a, another call. So uh, just be, be in his presence and be, be receiving right where you are. Uh, all come forward. But for those of you, you may not have a, a personal relationship with Jesus. And I've been talking a lot about the Holy Spirit, but Jesus is the one that's, that died on the cross to save us from our sins. And when we accept Him, we accept the Holy Spirit into our heart. 
If this morning uh, you feel a stirring or a prompting in your heart that you want to um, either accept Jesus or recommit uh, your life to Him again, uh, well then, please just just indicate to me. Just raise your hand. I'll see it. You can put your hand down again. I just want to make sure, uh, as a point of contact, as a point of faith, that I give that opportunity uh, for those who've stepped into this environment and into this place.